This sermon is titled The Believer's Authority Part 3. Be enriched as you listen. We've been uh, talking about the believer's authority and uh, today we are going to continue forward in our learning in our study on the subject of the believer's authority that is part 3 in the seventh series and we'll wrap it up next Sunday. Uh, with the fourth message in this series just to quickly review what we have uh, shared so far uh, we we mentioned or we outlined five dimensions of our spiritual authority uh, we spoke about in the very beginning when we started we talk about we spoke about inherited authority authority that belongs to us because we are children of god and then we talked about the um sorry we began with the redemptive authority i wonder yeah sorry number one was our redemptive authority our authority because of what christ has done for us the redemptive work of christ on the cross number two was inherited authority our authority as sons and daughters of god thirdly which we discussed last sunday uh, we spoke about positional authority our authority as seated at the right hand of god in christ jesus that spiritually every person who's a believer is seated in a place of authority and so you and i exercise authority from that place uh, or, or that position of being in christ today we're going to look we will look at number 4 which is delegated authority our authority as representatives of Christ. And next Sunday we'll talk about empowered authority which is our authority through the anointing. So let's begin uh from Matthew chapter 10. If you have your Bibles please uh you could turn with me there to Matthew chapter 10. Uh we'll look at verses 1, 7 and 8. These verses will also uh, come up on the screen so uh you could read along with me uh by looking at the screen as well. So Matthew chapter 10 verses 1 7 and 8 uh i just like to invite us to read it together so uh you know we could track through the sermon we could all stay together so let's read it out aloud matthew 10 verse 1 let's go and when he had called his 12 disciples to him he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease verse 7 and as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand heal the sick cleanse the lepers raise the dead cast out demons freely you have received freely give so what we observe in the ministry of jesus of course is when he began his ministry and he began preaching the gospel of the kingdom announcing the good news of the kingdom he went about doing good and healing people delivering people working wonderful miracles and and all of that but then we also notice that there came a point in his ministry after he had gathered together the 12 disciples the apostles he turned around to them and as we read in matthew 10 he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease he gave them 
pava. That word pava in the Greek is exousia, which simply means delegated authority. Or some versions will say he gave them authority. He delegated them. He said, you are my representatives and I'm giving you authority. Authority over what? Over unclean spirits. And to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So he delegated them. He said, you're going to represent me. And as you represent me, as you go there as my representative, as you go there as my delegate, you are going to do these things. Going to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. He gave them authority. So that's delegated authority. Something that is put upon you. Now, you know, we understand this in our natural world when, uh, you know, maybe you've sent people or maybe you've been sent by people. Uh, let's say, for instance, you work in an organization and the organization sends you as a representative uh, to carry out the business of the organization. And so there you've got delegated authority. There's a certain realm. They, they you know, give you permission to exercise certain things on behalf of the organization. You can sign contracts, you can be responsible for uh, huge amounts of money, and you are a delegate. You are exercising authority and you're carrying out the business of the organization. So we understand that. You've been authorized to do that. In the same token, but in a much greater sense, the Lord Jesus Christ has authorized you. And he says, you go represent me. And these are the things you can do. What do you do? I'm giving you authority to cast out demons, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease, and to do the works that he's been doing. Now, you know, of course, somebody will say, but, but that was the 12 apostles. We're ordinary believers. It doesn't apply. Well, we got to continue the you know, to see what the Lord Jesus did in the New Testament. So if you go with me to Luke chapter 10, you find that Jesus didn't just authorize 12. He extended that to another 70. So if you go with me to Luke chapter 10, and uh, we'll just read verse 1. Uh, verse 1, I didn't tell them to put on the screen, so it won't be there, but it's okay. Uh, Luke 10 verse 1 says, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. And he sent them two by two before his face and into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And then look, at, look with me at verses 17 and 19. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 and 19. Can we read it out together, please? You all here? All right, let's read verse 17. What did the 70 do? Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then Jesus, you know, let's just pick up in verse 19. What did Jesus tell them? Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, whom was he speaking to? He was not speaking exclusively to the 12. He was speaking to 70 others. Their names are not even mentioned here. 
That means the authority that Jesus delegated was not exclusive to the 12 apostles, as some would want us to believe. Because right there in Scripture, he actually extended it to 70 others whose names are not there. And these were not apostles. They were just people who walked with Jesus. They believed in Jesus. And he gave them the same authority. And these 70 others, as we read in verse 17, they came back with joy, excited. Lord, it's happening. What's happening through you is happening through us. Say this with me. What happened through Jesus happens through me. Let's say it with joy. What happened through Jesus happens through me. You see, that's delegated authority. He's given that authority. And these 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So that's where the key is. When you and I want to exercise delegated authority, it's in his name. Now let's ask the question. Do we as believers today, 2,000 years later, do we use the name of Jesus? Yes or no? Yes, we do. And so if the 70 used the name of Jesus and saw demons cast out, and they saw the same works taking place through them, which took place through Jesus, and that name has not lost any of its power. In fact, we are on the other side of the cross. They were there before the cross, before Jesus disarmed principalities and powers, before Jesus rose up triumphant from the grave, and we're on the other side of the cross. How much more? Amen? How much more will take place through that name? So as believers, our logical thinking should tell us the name of Jesus is going to do as much and even more today than it was back then. Are you with me? I'm just calling for plain intellectual honesty. Sometimes uh, we are so theologically confused, we become intellectually dishonest, actually. So you just be intellectually honest. I mean, just think logically. We're after the cross. How much more powerful should the name of Jesus be today when it's uttered to the mouth of any disciple who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen? So, these 70 came to Jesus and they said, Lord, the demons are subject to us in your name. And how did he respond to them, he said in verse 19. And I, I don't know, I'm, I, I know I'm skipping many verses around that context. Uh, uh, we just don't have time for it. But we zero in on verse 19, and Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority. That's delegation. I'm giving you authority. If he gave it to the 70, he's given it to you and me as well. And we will show it, prove it to us uh, from other scriptures too. He says, I'm giving you authority. To do what? To tread upon serpents and scorpions. I mean, that's literal mastery. You're treading on serpents and scorpions. And over all, everybody say, over all. Over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, it's interesting when you 
You know, uh, these, thank God these days we have good Bible study tools. Um, and, you know, and in the Bible college, in the Bible co courses, we teach our students how to use these Bible study tools. Our one tool, this is a little commercial break. <laughs> one tool that I've been using since 2001 uh, is a software called Eastward. They're not paying me to do this. <laughs> I'm just joking. Right, it's, a, it's a free software. It's just an amazing thing. It's been, I've been using it from 2001. I don't really recommend it to you. You know, you download it, uh, put it on your computer, and, um, you know, and it's free. And you can look up the Hebrew words, the Greek words. You can, there are dictionaries there. there are, uh, there's concordance. There is... Uh, many versions of the, uh, of, of the uh, translation of the English Bible, all for free, uh, and commentaries, uh, and so on and so forth. So I encourage you to use it. But uh, when you use the tool, you, can, you don't have to know Greek or Hebrew, but the tool helps you to look up the Hebrew and the Greek words. So that's how, you know, when we say the Hebrew word or the Greek word, it's because we're using the tools. It's not that we formally learned the language, Right? And then there are dictionaries available. So we could actually get into the meanings and the various meanings of the words. So I encourage you to do that as a, as a student of the Word of God. So when you look at verse 19, it's very interesting. He's using two different Greek words there. I give you authority. The word there is exousia, which talks about delegated authority over all the power of the enemy. That word power is dynamis, uh, which often is used in the Greek New Testament to talk about supernatural ability or miraculous ability. It's used often in the context of the power of the Holy Spirit, but here Jesus is using that word to talk about the ability of Satan. And what does he tell us? He says, I'm giving you authority over all the ability of the devil. Amen? It's a good place to jump up and dance. Amen? I'm giving you authority over all the ability of the enemy. That means whatever Satan can do. I mean, imagine he can muster all his strength and try his worst attack or try his worst effort, put his biggest effort. Jesus says, I'm giving you authority over all of his ability. Amen? So, there is no work of Satan that you as a believer don't have authority over. Amen? So, when you and I see the enemy doing things, immediately it should come into your heart. Jesus has given me authority over all the ability of the enemy. So, don't get too impressed by the works of the devil. Oh, that one is really tough. You've been given authority over all the ability of the enemy. So your mindset or your way of thinking should be aligned to the word of God. That when you see something the devil's doing in your mind, God, Jesus has given me authority over all the ability of the enemy. That's what he said. And he said, nothing will by any means hurt you. Nothing's going to harm you. Amen? So, what we are seeing here in, in, in Luke 10 is that he gave this to the 70. Now, again, uh, this is a common argument. Somebody will say, well, but that was only meant for the New Testament church. You see, he gave authority uh, 
to his early disciples and the early church, which means they meant till about 1980 or 9580, uh, approximately when John, the last apostle, died. So their argument would be, uh, well, uh, that authority, that supernatural ability was only meant for the early church in order to establish the church. Now, theologically, you would call these people cessationalists. That means they believe that supernatural working of God in the church ended when the last apostle died. So they are cessationalists, or technically many evangelicals are cessationalists. They say this, it, that supernatural working, casting out demons, healing the sick, and all those miraculous abilities ceased when the last apostle died. So with, it was meant only for the first century. But how illogical is it? Because what does the rest of the New Testament say? And I'll just mention three things. Number one, in Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 18 and 19, Jesus said this, and you know, I, I'll just quote it here. If you want to, you can turn and see, look at it. But in Matthew 16, 18 and 19, Jesus said, I will build my church. Is he still building the church? Yes or no? I'm not sure. He said, I will build my church. Is he still building the church? Are there still people being saved and added to the, being added to the church? Will there be people being saved tomorrow and being added to the church? So he's still building the church. What did Jesus say in Matthew 16, 18 and 19? He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth, and I'm just you know, paraphrasing it. Uh, the literal Greek says, you bind on earth what has been bound in heaven. And you release on earth what has been released in heaven. So the church has been authorized. To whom did he give the keys of authority? To the church. So again. Just be intellectually honest. Is he building the church? Yes. What did he say about the church? The gates of hell will not prevail. Are you part of the church? Yes. He said, I'll give you the keys. Does the church have the keys? Yes. Keys represent authority. Another example would be um, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. The Great Commission. We love it. Jesus said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he turned around to us and he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Teach, and then notice what the instruction is. Teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. So what was the commission to the 12 or to the early church? When you go to the nations and make disciples... Teach them to do everything I've commanded you. Which includes heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. If they left that out, he would have said, go make disciples and teach them 70% of what I've commanded you. And leave out the miraculous part. There was none of that. No exclusion. Are you with me? So the apostles were commissioned to pass on to successive generations of disciples 100% of what the Lord had commanded them, which includes authority or unclean spirits, 
healing the sick, cleansing lepers, and so on. Are you with me? Just, just plain. Or a third one, which we are going to look into, is Mark 16, 17 and 18. And let's read uh, those verses in Mark 16, 17 and 18. Can we all read it out together, please? It's going to come on the screen, and if you want to, you could uh, turn in your Bibles as well. And let's read it together. So here's a third reason why we're saying that the commission to do miraculous or the authorization to do miraculous works was not exclusively for the apostles or for the early church for the first hundred years, but it continues even till today. And it will continue until the end uh, uh, of, uh, until Jesus comes and wraps this up. And uh, that's, I'll leave it like that. Okay, Mark 16, 17 and 18. Can we read it out together, please? And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So notice what Jesus said. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name. So the authority is in the name. It's in that name. And are we using that name today? Yes. So therefore that name will do or will cause all these things to happen. I remember way back in school. Um, and so this was... When I was in eighth grade, just after giving my life to Christ, and I started learning about these things, that you could use the name of Jesus, I said, oh, we've got to try it out, right? There's no point uh, learning all these things and not doing it. So I remember uh, those days I used to, I was studying in Bishop Cotton's here in Bangalore, I also used to go to two other schools, Ballon Boys School and uh, Cathedral School, during the lunch break uh, to just share the gospel. You know, we had a very short lunch break, maybe 40 minutes, but I'll make my way there to, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Thursday, Friday was Baldwin's, and Wednesdays was Cathedral School. So I, would, I remember this very vividly in Cathedral School. Uh, I said, okay, I'm going to try it out this afternoon. The name of Jesus. So, um, I went there, the students were gathered, they were all seated, you know, on the edge of the field, there were these steps, like an open uh, stadium kind of thing, so they were all seated there, I was standing on the ground, I was preaching about Jesus, they were all listening, and then I said, and this was like my first time to do this in public, okay, I'm in eighth grade, <laughs> I said, guys, there is authority in the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, we can heal the sick. Is there anybody here, you've got any problem, I'm going to pray for you in the name of Jesus, and you will be healed, and it will be a sign to all of you that what I'm preaching is true. Ah, those are like pin drops. <laughs> and then one boy came forward. I asked him, and so, you know, it's just a small group, I think maybe 25 kids seated, and this kid is on the ground, and this, he comes, I said, what's your problem? I said, I have stomach pain. I have pain here. 
So I told, announced everybody. Guys, this, he says, he's got pain here. I'm going to pray for him in the name of Jesus and the pain will go. So everyone's watching, okay. So I prayed. In the name of Jesus, I command this pain to go right now. I told him, check and see. He took me, see, it's still there. <laughs> and just like this, they all laughed. <laughs> and I was so scared. <laughs> Nowhere to hide. But one of the things, you know, is pray again. No harm. I said, guys, I'm going to pray again. One more time. I said, lay your hand there. In the name of Jesus, I command this pain to go. I said, check and see. And he was surprised. He said, it's gone. And immediately, these students all started clapping. And then I asked them, now, how many of you believe in Jesus? And you know, all their hands went up. All the hands went up. And from that day, from that day, every time I went to cathedral school, there'll be a line of students <laughs> waiting to be prayed for. And I would, be, I would be delayed. I mean, I was scared. Like, you know, I knew after I finished preaching, they're all waiting in line, all kinds of problems. Headache, toothache, footache. <laughs> Pray for me. And I needed to get back to school, you know, for the afternoon classes. But that was what happened. And the same thing took place in Baldwin Boys and in Bishop Cotton's. But I also remember, you know, when this started happening, and we were part of Methodist Church, and nothing wrong, you know, I'm not against the Methodist Church. Thank God for the Methodist Church. But I remember when this started happening, there was one person who came to me. Uh, he, was, he was not an assistant pastor, but he was a person who was in some sort of leadership. He said, Ashley, I want to talk to you. Now, I was just, you know, a school student. He had graduated from seminary and all of that. He said, I want to talk to you. It's okay. So with fear and trembling, I went. And he said, I heard you speak in tongues. I said, yes, I do. <laughs> Confess. <laughs> yes, I speak in tongues. I heard you're praying for the sick. Because the news had gone now by this time. You know, this, this crazy boy from Cottons, he's praying for the sick in Cottons and Baldwin's and cathedrals and all of that. So he said, I heard you're praying for the sick. I said, yes. He said, I advise you, you shouldn't do that. Because if you start praying for the sick, you will soon start casting out devils, which prophecy came true. <laughs> and if you start casting out demons, then you will get into all kinds of problems. Now at that moment, one thought went through my mind. A man with an argument cannot override a man with an experience. He had an argument, I had an experience. I couldn't respond, I didn't know what to say, other than I knew the verses in the Bible. So I just kept quiet and departed in peace. But he could not rob me of my experience. And you know, uh, it was about maybe a few years ago, I forget exactly, but three years ago, I met the same man of God. And he came and told me, you know, Ashish, I speak in tongues today. <laughs> you know, so God had his own way. That he was a Methodist minister who, you know, many years ago told me not to do it. Today he's joined the camp. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. But the point was this, this, this to tell you. The name of Jesus has not changed. 
There can be arguments against it. But I want to tell you, just use it and see if it works. And an argument cannot override the experience. I mean, when you see people healed, and when you see demons cast out in the name of Jesus, who can tell us it doesn't work today? But that's the authority that's vested in each one of us. Whether you are a, you know, like a teenage person, like I was many years ago, starting out and doing these things, or you're a 40-year-old, a 50-year-old, whatever, you have the right to use the name of Jesus. You have been authorized to do that. Amen? So, let's try to understand very quickly, what does it mean uh, to use that name and how, what can we do with it? A few things. You see, delegated authority is, is this. When you say in Jesus' name, it means you're saying, I'm here representing him, standing in his place to act on his behalf and to do exactly what he would do if he were here himself. That's what you're saying when you say, in Jesus' name. You're saying, I'm here representing Jesus, standing in his place to act on his behalf, and to do exactly what he would do if he were here himself. Are you with me? It's a great honor. It's a great privilege for you and me to say, in Jesus' name. You're exercising your delegated authority. You're exercising that authorization that he's put upon your life when you say, in Jesus' name. So let's say this together, just for, just for this to sink into you. Let's say this together. When I say, in Jesus' name, it means I'm standing here representing Jesus to act on his behalf, to do exactly what he would do if he were here. Amen? That's what you're authorized to do. You're not authorized to do anything else. But you're authorized to do exactly what he would do if he were there. So, think about it. You read the Gospels. You see what Jesus did in various scenarios. And you just imitate him. Just imitate that. Because you're authorized to do exactly that today using his name. Amen? And it's not about you and me. It's about his name. It's what's in that name. It's who is behind that name. We are just delegates. We are just representatives. We are just people who have been authorized. And because you've been authorized, you carry authority. But you've got to act like somebody who has been authorized. You got to think like that person. And you got to be willing to step out and do what Jesus would do if he was there in that situation. 
What would he do? When he saw a sick person, he would stretch his hand to heal. What would he do when he saw somebody troubled and oppressed by demonic powers? He would stretch his hand to set them free. What would he do when if people were there in, you know, troubled situations? He would stretch out his hand to, you know, turn that situation around. But that's what you and I are authorized to do. Do you believe it? Two people. Do you believe it? Amen. So, what are some ways to exercise this authority? Just a few simple keys before we close. There are, you know, we exercise this authority by the words we speak. You know, we must learn to speak words of authority. The devil can't read our mind. So you can't think the devil out. Because he can't read your mind. He can intercept your thinking with wrong thoughts. But he doesn't know whether you've accepted the thought or not. The only way he will know is if you start saying it. Don't say it. Keep him guessing. So the devil can't read your mind. So we need to speak words of authority. And you see in the ministry of Jesus, when he ministered to people, he spoke. He spoke to the winds and the waves. He spoke and he said, you know, fill the water pots with water. He spoke to the fig tree. Uh, he commanded sicknesses to, to leave. He spoke to the fever. He rebuked the fever, commanded it to leave. So he spoke because authority is exercised by words. Very important. And of course, when the words we speak, we say, in Jesus so when you say in Jesus' name and you speak your command, you are exercising your authority. Now, three simple ways that we're going to look at very quickly. Number one is to resist. That means you're exercising authority to protect and prevent. You're resisting, putting up an, a defense or opposing, standing against, resist. Secondly, you can bind, lose, or pull down. These are all action that you take with words of your mouth. You can bind, lose, and pull on. We'll explain these. Or third, you can cast out, which is you're exercising authority to advance. Let's look at these very quickly. Just practical. How do you do it? Resist. James 4, 7 says, let's read that together. James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist. Resist means... See, in, in, in English, it could mean two things. One way to think about resist is you see a plate of jalebi, resist temptation, so you don't run to the jalebi, you run away. That's one way to understand the word resist. But the word resist here, used in James 4, 7, is to stand against is to oppose, not run away from, but run towards and oppose. Are you with me? So you got to change here now. Remove the jalebi and there's the devil. So when the devil comes, you resist. Not run away from, but run to. Oppose. Resist the devil. And he will? He will do the running. You do the standing. Amen? You resist. Example. 
you feel like some sickness coming on you. You take the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. You heard uh, Sharon explain. Take the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. With the word. And in the name of Jesus, you say, in the name of Jesus, I resist this sickness. Because you're, you're saying no to it. You're not denying it. You can feel it in your body. But you need to resist. So in the name of Jesus, I resist this sickness. You can call that sickness by its name. If it's a headache, a stomachache, whatever, or if it's something more serious, you call it by its name. I resist this thing that has come against my body. My body is a temple of God. My body has been healed by the stripes of Jesus. So you're resisting it. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. So you've got to resist. You say no. You put up a, 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 a front, meaning a, a stop to it. So you've got to resist. If you see some work of confusion happening in your home, in your family, you say, in the name of Jesus, Satan, I resist you. So just imagine, and you know, uh, this is only imagination, not real. So if you were taking your Sunday afternoon nap, or in the night, and a thief attempted to break into your place, what are you going to do? One is you can be scared and run away. <laughs> or you can stand up and say, no. Turn the light on. Resist. You don't want that thief to break in. Resist. You're not going to let him come in, trying to do wrong things. In the same way, Satan is a thief. He tries to intrude. He tries to trespass. He tries to come into places where he's not supposed to. But that's when you and I need to resist. Use the word of God. Use the name of Jesus. To say no. And you speak words. Speak words. Now. Of course. There are things that you and I need to do in the natural. That's also our responsibility. And we've mentioned this in, in the earlier sermon. That if there are things I need to change in the natural. I need to address that. For example. Suppose somebody is you know. Uh, overdoing on certain kinds of food, and therefore the health is affected. Uh, here you just say, I resist this devil. I mean, it's good, but you also need to change your diet. Are you listening? Because that's also part of our responsibility. Are you, are you listening, right? So there's also the natural side to this. I don't want to just say everything depends on the spiritual. There is the natural side. So, do what you have to do in the natural, but then when you know there's something of the enemy, resist. Resist. The second thing is to bind, to lose, and to pull down. To bind, to bind, uh, uh, you know, and, and Jesus has given us the authority to bind, to lose, and to pull down. So the church has been authorized to bind on earth what is bound in heaven, and to lose on earth what is loosed in heaven. In other words, what God permits, you and I are authorized to permit on earth. What God prohibits, you and I are authorized to prohibit here on earth. That's binding and losing. 
And so binding is like you're tying up the hands of a person, making them inoperative in that given situation. So if you find the devil operating, some, doing something, you say, Satan, I take authority over you. In the name of Jesus, I bind what you're doing. That means you're making the devil inoperative in that given situation. That doesn't mean you're binding all the demons in hell. No, no, no. You just in that situation, what the devil is doing, you're pro prohibiting, you're stopping, you're preventing him from operating. But you need to say, I bind what you're doing. I bind those spirits of confusion. I bind those spirits of deception in the name of Jesus. So you need, need to learn to speak like that. I bind those spirits that are causing that disturbance in my team. If you're leading a team and you're finding people are being hostile to each other and, and there's a lot of animosity, uh, sure, there's a natural side to it. You can do some training and all of that, but also take authority over the, in the spiritual. Are you listening? And then there is the losing. The losing means to release, to permit, to say, I'm bringing in to the situation. So I say, I release the favor of God. I release the blessing of God to come upon this situation. I release the peace of God to come upon this situation or this person and so on. Take, for example, what Jesus did in Luke chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. Are you all with me or you all gone home? Still here. Okay. Luke chapter 13, verses 11 to 12. Let's read it, please. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to a woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. So think about this. You know, if this woman had gone to uh, the hospital, now we're not against the hospitals. Thank God. Thank God. And it's good, you know, go to the doctor, get yourself checked, etc. But I'm just saying, if this woman in the hospital... And they did all the scans. They'd say, nothing wrong with you. Because demons don't show up in the scans. They don't show up. Nothing wrong with you. Because she was bound with the spirit of infirmity. And what did Jesus do? He said, woman, I'm setting you free. You are loosed from your infirmity. You are loosed from your bondage. So you are authorized to do that. You say, in the name of Jesus, I set this person free. You know, somebody comes with addictions, bondages. Uh, and there are testimonies of people who are instantly delivered. Now, I'm not against uh, going through a, a time of counseling or a time of rehab or a time of help. You know, okay, that's one way of doing it. But there's also this, this one step in Jesus where in his name, bondages are instantly broken. And there are people, part of the church, who can testify to such things. But they've just been delivered from years of bondage in an instant. It's gone. What happened? They were loosed. From their bondage. So they will held them captive. 
but they will lose. And you have the authority to minister like that. So you speak over people, say, in the name of Jesus, I release you from your fear, or I release you from this thing that's oppressing you. So you have authority to bind, lose, and to pull down. Pull down is the stronghold. A stronghold is essentially a, a mental thing, a, 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 a fortress built in the mind with thoughts and ideas and deceptions, but the enemy is occupying a territory in their minds. And therefore, they are held captive to certain ways of thinking, to certain you know, things that make them feel defeated and so on. So sometimes counseling may dismantle that stronghold brick by brick, but sometimes in an instant, the whole fortress is blown apart and they deliver it. Because you have the authority to pull down strongholds. Are you listening? Lastly, we also read about casting out. This is your forceful eviction. To cast out means to forcefully evict, evict uh, demons and spirits that are occupying territory. One uh, scripture on this. Are you all still with me? Okay, Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. When, let's read it together, please. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were? How did he cast the spirits out? Let me hear you. He cast out the spirits with a word. He didn't sprinkle holy water on them. He didn't do the sign of the cross. He didn't wave a wooden cross. He cast out the spirits with a word. He didn't say, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. He didn't say that. He cast out the spirits with a word, a word of command. He said, come out. Are you listening to me? Because sometimes we, you know, we in our religious mindset, we tend to do all these other things. But that's not how Jesus did it. Follow Jesus. He's the right example. He cast out the spirits with a word. So, you and I have been authorized. And we can resist. We can bind, lose, pull down. We can cast out. Whether it's a situation, whether it's in a person. You say, in the name of Jesus, devils, I command you to come out. Unclean spirits, leave. Just not issue a word. You don't have to shout and scream. Jump and no. The devils are not going to leave because you scream or you shout. You just... You speak with authority, and you say, come out. Now, you see, what we are sharing with you is, is things that you and I can use in our personal lives. Sometimes people wonder, say, you know, why are you talking about all these things? These are meant only for, you know, the, 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 the people who are uh, in full-time ministry or those who are preaching in the... In the, in, the, in the villages. or So they're, they're ones who deal with demons. Why are you talking about to us like this? Do you know that some of the problems, I'm not saying all, but some of the problems that you and I can face, they are facing, can actually be dealt very successfully by the exercise of our spiritual authority. And sometimes because we are not exercising our spiritual authority, we are going through problems. 
you know, just example, and I have shared this with you before. I remember those, uh, when I'd gone to the U.S. as a student, graduate student, so I did my bachelor's in engineering here in Manipal, and then went to the U.S. to my master's, uh, doing biomedical engineering, and I think it was the winter of that year and the following year. Um, so I had entered in, you know, the, it was my first year. I went into a time of depression. It was a short period. Now, it was very unlike for me, you know. I was always energetic. I loved life, looking for the next person to share the gospel and, or do something. But I remember that time. Uh, perhaps a lot of factors had contributed towards, towards that. But something happened in my life. When I saw myself, I was sleeping, you know, for 12 to 14 hours. I, my normal thing was sleep for six hours. But suddenly, I was like this. I'd just wake up, go to the lab, do my research, attend whatever class was there for that day, come home, eat, sleep. I had just lost, you know, that whole... Uh, zest for life and all of that. And this was happening, happened for a couple of months, and then I suddenly realized something is wrong. This is not me. And I don't like this. I need to come out of it. What do I do? This is not the normal me. So I began to, you know, ask questions. What is going on? And I had shared the word of God on, on these things to other people, on spiritual, you know, uh, uh, casting down strongholds and so on. But I really didn't know what was the real cause of what I was going through because there were external factors, there were all these things. But I remember once, in the middle of all of that, I called the pastor of the church where I, where I was attending at that time, and I didn't tell him all the details. I said, his name was Pastor Tom Hare. So I said, Pastor Tom, can you just pray for me? He prayed for me on the phone. And when he just prayed, in this short few minutes of prayer over the phone, I felt something, you know, kind of move spiritually. And that was the moment it hit me. Maybe what I'm going through is spiritual. That can be dealt spiritually. And then I remember, and by the time it was July of that year, and it was the 4th of July, it was a day off, I woke up that morning, I had previously prepared myself for a few days. I said, I'm going to deal with this in the spirit. I identified three problems that I was having. One, I was depressed. Second, I, was, I felt I was terribly lazy. And there was one more. I forget what I written, but I wrote it down in my notebook. And I said, this morning, I'm going to resist the spirits behind these three things in my life. I'm going to expel them out of my life. I don't mean I was demon-possessed, but I know I was being troubled because my whole life had been affected the last several months, maybe about four months now. So I remember the 4th of July, that year, I woke up in the morning. And I said, I take authority over these things. And then, First of all, I repented. I said, God, I'm just sorry for letting these things get into my life. I don't know how... I just went into this, but I want to come out. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm sorry about this, but I thank you for the authority I have. And in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every spirit of depression. 
that is oppressing my mind, that's putting me down like this, that has, that's drained me of all zeal and energy for my life. In the name of Jesus, I expel you out of my life. Second, every spirit of laziness that's causing me to sleep like this, I take authority over you. In the name of Jesus, I expel you out of my life. And the third thing, I just forget what it was, but I just did the same thing. I can tell you within 15 minutes, I was free. I was free. Life got back to normal. I was able to do my work, get back with vigor and energy, and uh, you know, do the things I was supposed to do. So what am I saying? That sometimes some of the things we face, we're not dealing with the source. The spirit of fear, spirit of anxiety, spirit of depression. And these are things in the Bible. Unclean spirits. Believers are enslaved to addictions, pornography, and all, all kinds of things. And, and they're believers. You love Jesus. But look, you've given room to these unclean things. And, and so you're bound to these things. It's time to resist, not put up, or not even entertain. Are you listening? So what we are teaching is very practical. In our, each of our lives. Sometimes there are problems you're facing at home. Maybe when you pray for your children. You know, of course you love them and bless them. Speak faith and blessing on them. But then deal with spirits that would oppress their mind. I mean, we are having a young generation. You know, and uh, Pastor Selina was just recently, she went through her whole study. Uh, where she found that, you know, the teenagers today are so disturbed. The chief problems are they are suicidal what else, Selena? I forget. Depressed, loneliness, anxiety. Can you imagine? Three major problems among teenagers. Suicidal, anxious, lonely. And sometimes they go into this. Depression. There's a spirit waiting to entertain. Anxiety. There's a spirit waiting to, waiting to entertain that. So what do you do? Of course you do the things you need to do in the natural. But you also got to deal with the spiritual side of things. And parents, your responsibility to fight for your children in the spirit. So you're buying. You say, I take authority of every spirit of anxiety troubling my son, my daughter. I take authority of every spirit of fear disturbing my children. I take authority of every spirit of deception that are bringing in lies and deceptions into their minds. You take authority. Are you listening, parents? So what we are learning here has very practical application in all of our lives. If you don't exercise your authority, then you're wasting something that God has given to you. Take use, make use of that authority. Amen? Worship team, let's please come. So we're going we're gonna to practice this. We're going to use the name of Jesus and God's word. I want to, and I just want to pray over us. Uh, before we dismiss, uh, and there's just amazing testimonies. I remember one testimony, uh, and this happened in our previous auditorium. There was a young man who came in. I, I didn't even meet him personally. Uh, he came and sat at the back. At that time, and he attended only one service. At that time when he came in to attend this service, he was in a mess. His life was in a mess, into drugs and all kinds of things. He came and sat in one service at the back. And in that service, 
Now, nobody prayed for him personally, but he testified. I heard his testimony. He was completely delivered. He attended one service. Then he, from here, Bangalore, he went to Delhi. And uh, there, you know, his life, was, his life was so set free that he got involved in a church and he's serving in a church. But he walked into one service and Jesus delivered him. Amen. So today, as we pray, we may not call you up forward, we may not lay hands on you, but look, there is deliverance, there is power in that name. Whatever Jesus would do for you, if he came to you personally today, you can expect to happen here. Why? Because of his name. His name. He said, when two or three are gathered, in my name, I'm there. In my name, cast out demons, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, do these things. Do what I would do. What would Jesus do for you today if he stood by your side? Expect that to happen right now. This morning. Because of his name. Amen. And those of you watching, wherever you are, as we pray, expect to happen to you what Jesus would do if he was standing in front of you because of his name and we're going to call upon that name and in his name there's healing there's deliverance there's victory there's divine intervention amen i want to request us to stand to our feet the worship team will lead us in a song just to prepare our hearts and then i'm going to come and pray a simple prayer in that name we're going to pray together and expect something to happen to you today those of you at home Expect something to happen to you. The healing presence of the Lord is here. The healing presence of the Lord is here. Our God and King who made everything is near. Sing that again. The healing presence of the Lord is here. The healing presence of the Lord is here. Our God and King who made everything is here. said let there be light and there was he said Lazarus rise and he rose he said rise up and walk and the lame man walked he makes all things new he is giving sight to the blind he is giving new strength to the weak he is healing your 
has power. He has power over all the darkness. He has power over sin and death. Be healed, be healed, be healed. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed, be healed. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. going to pray a simple prayer. What would Jesus do for you if he was standing next to you? He is as close as a mention of his name. Would you call upon that name and say, Jesus, in your name, this is what I need. Maybe if it's a healing in your body, I release in your mind, in your emotions. Or maybe it's a circumstance. Maybe it's a family situation. I don't know. This. It could be anything different. Anything. What would Jesus do for you if he was there right by your side? Lord Jesus, we thank you for the honor and the privilege of using your name. And so in that name, we take authority of every evil work, of every work of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, I command every work of the enemy to be broken, to be destroyed. For every spirit of infirmity to leave. Every spirit of infirmity, whatever your name is, Leave in the name of Jesus. Let there be healings, deliverances. Every spirit tormenting and oppressing the minds of people, whatever your name is, whether your anxiety or fear or depression or oppression or confusion or sleeplessness, leave in the name of Jesus.
whatever spirit of bondage and enslaving people, unclean spirits, spirits of unclean habits, whatever your name is, in the name of Jesus, leave. And let the chains fall. Let God's people be completely free. No more fear, no more torment, no more oppression, no more bondage. But in Jesus' name, we are free. Let there be healings, deliverances taking place. Let joy and peace flood the lives of your people, God. We thank you. We bless you. We honor you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And I believe it's done. Now you go home, you check, and, you know, when you experience the work of God, please send a testimony. If you have some testimonies waiting, I'll, I'll share them next week. Um, so send your testimony and uh, of what God has done, whether it's a healing or whether it's a deliverance, something has changed in your life, write it in. We'll keep your name confidential, but we'll share the work of God so others can be encouraged. Amen? We're going to close. I want to thank you, each one of you, for being here this morning. Invite your friends and your enemies to church next Sunday. <laughs> Tell them all to come. Everyone's welcome. Let's fill this auditorium. Amen? Let's not leave a single seat empty. Let's fill it up. And uh, let's begin to impact our city, our nation, and the nations. And, uh, you know, touch lives of people everywhere. Thank God for what he's doing. Uh, volunteers, we want to welcome you for our lunch right there in the food court downstairs. And also a special gift for all of you. Please make sure you pick it up. And uh, it's just a simple way for us to say a big thank you. Let's close. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, and books, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store.